Thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's see. We're all good here. Um, is it okay to walk around? Or do you want me to? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so, yes, I have been touring and teaching for quite a long time. And even though I go to various countries, I've been to various countries, I've done, done a lot of things, you know, uh, experienced a lot of cultures. And it, it's still interesting to me that all people essentially are the same. There might be different ways that people deal with this or think about that or contemplate, whatever. But the things in life come and go. They're small issues, really. The thing that's most important is our spiritual path. And there really shouldn't be and needn't be a close second. To put it another way, the Course in Miracles would, would basically say there's God and then there's everything else is an illusion. So our relationship with God is all that really matters. Now, how we relate to God is also invariable. Some people find a way to connect with God in a very casual way. Meaning, not really that focused, not that intense, you know, intense. So to me, there's only one purpose on earth, and that is to improve our connectedness to God. The spiritualist movement means not just communicating with departed, but to say that there are no departed. There's no part. There's no separation. That's why we can communicate with those who have passed to another dimension. Because really, there's no dimensionality. It's an illusion. So it's an affirmative thing to say you can communicate with spirits. It's an affirmative thing. The affirmative thing is because there is no parting. There's no departed. So anything we can do to affirm that there is no separation is an absolutely great thing to do. So what kind of form of, of spiritual path? If you're in a room like this, it's clear. Sorry. Can I know your name? <laughs> there we go. All right. Whoa, 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 what is this? Yeah, right? So, they'll adjust all that. So again, God is all that matters. And in a room like this, people are clearly going to be on the spiritual path. And the truth is, let me make that clear, and I say that commonly, but everybody is on the spiritual path. They're just not always conscious of being on the spiritual path. And that is a huge distinction, though. Conscious means I'm aware and working to improve. Working to nurture that, that awareness. There's a saying in the Bible that God wills that no soul shall perish. And yet people are sitting around worrying about perishing. They're worrying about mundane things. It's kind of like one of the things we need to learn to do on the spiritual path is to let go and let God. To, to, and, and I mean that in, in a trusting way. To let go and let God doesn't just mean, well, I'll just be a victim and I'll let go and let God and hope things turn out. To let go and let God means, if I'm involved, it can only ever go horribly at the end of the day. And if God's involved, it can only ever go well. 
So there's a really good decision there. It's not like this is even close to a, well, I don't know, well, maybe only if, if my life proves to be bad enough, then I'll switch gears here. This is really the only way. There is a God. God did create its ch child, or it, the word child means its children. When we hear Jesus is the only Son of God, it's, it's kind of a funny play on words. Jesus remembered he was Christ, and Christ is the one child of God. But when channels throughout history heard Jesus was the one child of God, what it meant was the child of God is one. And the word child meant creation. It's just that parents are used to going, hi, this is my child. We don't usually go, this is my creation. It's just messed up terminology, interpretation. So all the wisdom meant to say there is a God and it's a creator. It's not a daddy and a mommy, but we refer to it as father. It's not like God actually needs you to call it father. It's a figure of speech, it means creator. So there's a creator and there's a created. It's child, it's one child, which is all of us, everybody throughout time. And the children of God started becoming afraid that one day it would be possible to be separate from that beautiful, incredible love. Just like there's a child on earth somewhere that has a parent and wonders, mommy and daddy went to work and they have that initial moment of, oh, where did they go? That's normal in creation. It could be an animal. And as soon as the mom or dad, lion or whatever it is, leaves for the first time, there's a moment of, oh, you know, just startled, fear. It's a natural thing, and it's part of free will to fear, to be afraid, to wonder. But the separation never actually took place because God is not an animal you can part from. It's a consciousness that you live in all the time, even in our most insane behaviors. The only thing is, the child of God, the children of God are still in God. They didn't actually leave. They're still in God. God can't go off and get hunted by somebody and never return to the pups. We live in God. In God, we live and move and have our being. We're part of this whole consciousness of God. The kingdom of heaven isn't a location. It's a consciousness. So when we say, you know, even when Jesus is saying, you will inherit the kingdom, it's so beautiful when you read such things from an inspired place because you start to go, you inherit the consciousness. It's not a location. You don't go to heaven, you grow to heaven. It's a consciousness. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where? It's a consciousness. Okay, give it to me. Well then, let go and let God. You'll find it. By the letting go of fear, love is already there. We don't actually ever even have to earn it. The people that are still on the spiritual path working so hard to become spiritual. If only I do one more thing, I'm almost there. Just one more thing, just one more thing. And it's okay to do things, but do them because you love and respect yourself. And that the doing them is part of that love and respect. Don't think that one more of anything actually takes you closer to God. Other than forgiveness. That's about it. There is no one more thing that's going to take us closer. But is it okay to do those things? Yes. But I'll tell you, a massage will not take you to God. It just feel like it. But it's not going to take you to God. 
massage because you love yourself enough as though you are with God. See, get a massage because it reflects love. Not it'll give you love. Have a relationship when it can reflect love. Don't think the relationship brings it to you because you will find the enemy has moved in. That's the way the ego will respond to anybody you have hired to be your one and only, and as soon as they fail, they become the enemy. And we've got to get rid of them. We've got to do something. We've got to trade them in. Even without a receipt, I need to trade this person in. And, you know, desperate situations. But the whole universe is starting to wake up to the fact that we're all on the path. We just forgot that we were on the path. When we say things like respect races and genders and so on, it's not by respecting genders that the human race is going to become better. We have to become better and then all the rest comes easier. But if you can't be forced to respect other people in the way someone else tells you to, if it's not organic, if it's not real, it's not going to help. It's got to be an inside job. So when we pray, we still get in the habit of praying for little things to happen and little things to be fixed. I say little, some of them seem huge. But what we really need to do is ask God to help us remember who we really are. And in that, remembering how, who everybody else is. I'm not entitled. I'm one with God. There's no entitlement to claim. What greater thing can there be than being one with God? And if I'm one with God, that means everybody is. So I don't have to be told to respect you. How could I not respect you? You're part of me. I can't go to heaven without you. There are people that actually still think that. Can't wait till it's all over and we get to go to heaven. You guys have to stay here. You know, you know it becomes a, a religious permissiveness to say go to hell to everybody else, you know? So that doesn't, that doesn't work. The Lord thy God is one. The law of Israel. The Lord thy God is one. What that means is that means, you know, the, the return to God can't be done 30% or 1%. If the Lord thy God is one, there is no experience of God in heaven without everyone. And if we start to learn to live and think and feel that way, everything starts to change. Instead of, you know, man, me versus you. It starts to change because all of a sudden, if you're even acting up, I start to think, what part of you are me that I can work on today? See, it's, it's how can I take you with me? A lot of people still have that habit of thinking, segmenting, and all that does is induce separation again. We're all in this together. God is one. God created its children, and its children began to forget who they were. When they began to forget who they were, they started taking it out on each other. It must be your fault that I forgot who I was. See, because we're hurt, we're scared, we're desperate. So we take it out on each other. The concept of forgiveness is not something you find in heaven. It's something on earth that helps return us to heaven. But forgiveness is the number one practice we have to all embrace. It's just that some of us go, yeah, you know, we've heard that before. You've never heard it enough. Till the end of time, you'll never have heard the concept of forgiveness enough. You can never hear it too much. Because every day you can hone your skills on how to forgive. And if you still think 
okay, I hear what Michael's saying. He's kind of leading us towards, we kind of separate. There's a way to get home. We all want to wake up. We're all one. Yes, sounds good. I, that's just positive kind of affirmation. How does it all happen? Forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the act of love. So we can sing love. We can chant love. We can put it on bumper stickers. You know, we can have it on our shirts. We're so loving. We can have pendants. Love, 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 love. If you don't practice forgiveness, you're a hypocrite. If you say love. Love without forgiveness is completely a waste. And then what's forgiveness? And if you still think, any of us on this planet, still think, you know, well, okay, this is starting to wear on my nerves, fine. I'll start practicing forgiveness. All right, whoever it was, I, I forgive you. That's not real. It's not like seconds later you hear angels singing. If anything, they'll be laughing because you've you got to be kidding. Is that it? You, you know, I forgive you. So, but I will say this is better than nothing. Forgiveness of any kind is better than nothing. But forgiveness is something that grows. We start to understand it deepens as an experience. It deepens and it deepens. Forgiveness, to share that in a few different ways. Forgiveness might start where you're talking about someone who hurt you that you need to forgive. And everybody in this room can think of at least one person, if not in your own lives, historic characters that were annoying to say the least. And we can say, okay, let's work on forgiving them. And there are people in spiritual groups that go, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, um, I, I've heard this for so many years now. You know, whenever there's a clerk at the store that's rude, I just tune in and I think, they probably just had a bad day. And so I can forgive them. No, wait. You don't even know that they had a bad day. You had to make up that they had a bad day so you could feel sorry for them. That's not forgiveness. That's not actually forgiveness. What if they had no excuses whatsoever to be rude to you? Can you still forgive them? No, but if I make up a you know, hard story kind of thing, that's not real. I guess it's better than nothing. Forgiveness, there's ways that it, it morphs from one style to another, so one way to explain it. It starts while still talking about other people. I'm really mad at them, and I'm going to need to forgive them. That's, that's, generically speaking, it's about them. Then forgiveness starts shifting as you grow, just so you know where you, you can kind of check in here and where you at on your forgiveness level. And if you can score where you are in your forgiveness level, you can score where you're at on your love level. And if you score where you're at on your love level, you're scoring where you're at in your spiritual growth. Because spiritual growth without love isn't spiritual growth. You know, love without forgiveness isn't real love. So where are we at? So it shifts from talking about others that you need to forgive, which is fine because some people are hurtful. But eventually it shifts to you. Why were they in your life? We love this new age stuff. There are no accidents except them being in my life. That was an accident. There are no accidents, but, 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 you know, you can't, you can't do that. You can't lie like that. You can't have convenient spirituality. This stuff's true or it isn't. So there are no accidents. And if someone's in your life, yes, you might want to forgive them if they've been hurtful. Yes, they might want to work on themselves if they want to clear their stuff. But why were they in your life? So, in, and I'm not pushing you to go to the second level. I'm saying it will happen. At some point, you're going to notice. When you talk about stuff, you're going to talk about more about your experience. 
your mind, your situation, and you just notice it. A great counselor, there are counselors and there are really good ones. A good counselor will not allow you to spend months, but for sure not years, talking about other people. If they do, it's because they're old school, they're really limited, and they're not progressive. Get away from them. And forgive them. But at some point, a good counselor is going to hear about everybody that wrongs you, upsets you. At some point, a good one's going to say, so what do you think that is inside of yourself? So you've been betrayed five times, was it? So what is it going on inside of you? So there's been 10 people in the last few years that have said rude things to you. So what do you think? See, they're going to start directing the conversation to you, which is quite annoying. But that's how you begin to grow. Because while you're talking about them, they're just like the dearly departed that nobody can contact. It's a power outside of yourself and they're gone. Bad people. Just, you know, bad. But at some point we start to talk inclusively. <gasps> wow, isn't that amazing? Those 10 people, they were all in my life. I wonder if I'm the common denominator, what does that mean? We start looking at ourselves. But that's only the second stage. There actually comes a point in the forgiveness slash love slash spiritual growth process where after a while we don't even find fault within ourselves. We don't even have things to talk about in terms of my stuff because we recognize while we talk about others it shows we need education. When we start talking about our stuff, our own self, we know that our education has begun. But when there's no more talk about the problems, our education is complete. Because there's others, self, and God. In reverse, there was God. We were one with God. We separated, became individual selves, and then we started having problems with others. And then we become other, outer oriented. So spiritual growth means learning to reverse that process of pushing outside of ourselves and going within. That's what it means when people say, well, go within. They don't mean ignore. They shouldn't mean ignore the outside. But there's something dynamic happening within. Everything is actually deep inside. The more outer-oriented we are, the more shallow we are, the more hypocritical we are about our spiritual growth. So forgiveness, it happens in those stages. Others, self, and then pretty soon, wow, in God, there's nothing else to talk about. But if you try to become all godlike and ignore issues when they come up, it's premature. I'm saying this is an organic process. But love is how you can use it. Love is what you can use as a barometer to really see whether you're growing or not. Also, remember the power of God to be a tangible thing. Start every day in communion with God. It's an amazing thing if you if you look at all the traditions. Our heads say, because we love things outside and we love separate things, which religion do you practice? Well, that one or that one. And some people get really entrenched in that religion. Other people, well, I dabble a little bit. That's fine too. That's fine too. But it's still outside. So what we have to learn to recognize is wherever I see God to the most tangible, applicable form, for me, me personally, Michael, I like that when it's applicable. I like when I can experience God. That's called mysticism versus religion. Mysticism. I want to know the experience. So I can sit 
with anybody from any tradition or no traditions at all. You can sit with someone who's completely atheistic or agnostic, but atheistic. And when you let go and let, let God, you still feel a spiritual miracle happening. You can still feel something sublime. And partly what I'm leading to is we have forgotten how easy it is to connect with God. Forgiveness brings us a state of sublime energy, like it's almost like some supernatural movie, sparkle, glittery things kind of flowing over us when we do that. You can have a challenging event. Everybody's gone through. You can be a spiritual teacher and have challenging events, and you will. And the more you believe that you're growing spiritually, the bar is held higher for you to live up to that. You know, if, if you tell your children, I'm, I'm, you know, mommy, daddy, or whatever, you know, we're on the spiritual path. You know, to a degree now, they're watching you more. Because on some level, they know what God is. Even if they don't know Him consciously, cognitively, on some level, they know. And when you claim to know God, your kids are watching you. And you better not let them down. Because you will hold yourself accountable. Not God will hold you. You will hold yourself accountable. So, in A Course in Miracles, you hear this concept of teach only love. What it means is, if you start to realize that you are the embodiment of the love of God, live it. And even if you don't know you're living it, you're still living it. Because every word that comes out of your mouth and every thought will betray you. So make sure you're coming from love as best you can. And when you mess up, own it so that you don't hold it against yourself. No guilt and shame allowed. So no matter where you've been, just be willing to own it and release it if you mess up. Teach only love. So that means when I show reactions, I'm not showing teaching love. It's a weird word to use, teach. Teach only love. So guys, what this means is teach only love means be only love. Because whatever you're doing is teaching. But it doesn't mean educationally. It doesn't mean, take a look over here. You know, here's the pointer to We're going to look at this chart. Teach only love means everything you do is teaching people who you believe they are and who you believe you are. So when you act rude, when you act impatient, what you're saying to everyone is, this is how I feel inside. When you become angry and judgmental, whatever it happens to be, whatever form of stuff comes out, you're saying to the whole world, this is how I feel inside. See, so if you go and you do a breathalyzer, a cop pulls you over because you've been drinking, they have you walk a straight line. Why? Because they can tell how off you are by how well you handle yourself on that line. If you're doing like an anxiety test, you put your hand out, can your hand hold that still? Some people, you hold your hand out and it's like this. That's not a bad thing, but what I'm saying is, when my hand shakes, I am shaking inside. It's not like my hand is just going, hello brain, listen, I like to shake a little. I'm just in the mood to move. It, it's coming from inside. Everything we do outside came from inside. If we connect more with God, we're going to be, bring peace to the world outside. If we're off inside, it comes outside. And this is something we have to recognize because Jesus was saying, it's not what you eat, for example. He says it's what's coming out your mouth that shows what you're really about. Not so much what you eat a, a specific diet, 
that you're a spiritual person. He says, you'll know if you're spiritual by what comes out or not. Meaning, if something's inside, it's going to show. Guys, everything will show. All inner, all higher vibrations will have some amount of manifestation. So let's look at our lives. Our illnesses didn't show up by accident. They were manifestations of inner things. That does not make us bad. It's just the way we manifested something from the inside. Why do you think it happens? It only ever happens for one reason. If you didn't notice it while it was quietly inside, it will come out and make noise to get your attention. So a person that even tries to be nice, it betrays them because it leaps out of their mouth and their impatience and their anger and whatever else. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you know, every, you know, that we should judge ourselves for every little movement. You don't want to overanalyze yourself. But it's well worth it for us to say, know thyself. So what are you about? How are you doing? Are you growing on your spiritual path? Is your life improving? Your finances, your health, your relationships. This is something we'll go into in the workshop, but look at your life. Are all the areas improving because they should be? Or something's wrong? If you still have the same relationship, the same kinds of relationships, issues today that you had a few years ago, something's wrong with that picture. God wills that no soul shall perish, meaning God does not want us having problems. It wants us to experience love, peace, joy, and abundance. How's your life doing? It'd be doing great if I didn't have those problems. Well, where do they come from? Well, I can tell you the names of everybody. That's to blame. I have them written down. Right? I, you know, grievances is what A Course in Miracles calls those. So what if I let everybody off the hook? What we don't realize is this. One of the great lessons, one of the great exercises, techniques, imagine saying to yourself, I'm retiring all the people. If I claim that there are people that have caused my life to have issues, let's pretend for a second that we're going to claim that people did. They caused us to be, uh, to have issues with um, um, self-esteem or finances or whatever it is. Let's say there's some people out there that did that. Therefore, if you forgive and retire them, it means what they brought into your life will have to go. If they did cause it, forgive them and the roots are gone. All the manifestations will die on the vine, guys. So even if you could say it's other people's fault, by forgiving, the roots are gone. And then here's what's really strange. What will come next is called the unknown. And more people would rather have known and unhealthy lives than unknown and risking it. And that's called addiction. People are addicted to dysfunctional lives. People would rather trust in that thing that they're familiar with. At least I have a partner. They're very rude and mean, but at least I know what to expect from them. What if I let such a person go? I mean, gosh, I could end up just lingering for years on my own. See, my fear of being alone is greater than my fear of unhealthy. That's all it is. There's no God that says, oh, no, 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 no. You can't leave. You need to stay there. There's no God that tells us to be miserable 
for any reason. And that's never happened. God has never told anybody to be miserable. It never told anybody to be miserable to pay off karma because God doesn't believe in karma. It didn't tell us to be doing anything that wasn't love, peace, joy, and abundance. We made that stuff up. And then we also made a world that supported it so it looked like we were somehow sane for believing insane things. <laughs> Who's going to be the courageous one to say, not anymore, not today. See, that's, that takes courage. You have Jesus, who was a great, great, obviously a great teacher, but one of the pivotal points in his teaching was when he started doing miracles that were too freaky for people. According to the Bible, they started plotting to kill him specifically after he brought somebody back to life. <laughs> because, see, there's no separation, there is no death. So it was too much. And that means you as Christ in your own households, you might be tolerable to people around you or at work as long as you do things relatively the way they do them or like them. Go too far and they will try to assassinate you. Verbally, emotionally, or whatever. They plotted against Jesus and he tells you, what they've done to me, they'll do to you as well. It's a metaphor. Speak too much about equality and they shoot you like King or Lincoln. See, the world doesn't want anybody. I mean, it looks like we all kind of want to get by, but it's not true. People are terrified of the truth of God and they don't want to own it. They don't want to admit it. So the way we can counter that is not just by standing up and speaking loud about it. Here's what we, ought to, you know, here's what we have to do, ladies and gentlemen. We have to teach only love. And teaching only love does not mean you're a doormat. Teaching only love also means, I really love and respect you folks. And it also means, and I respect and love myself. So in our relationship, I'm willing to practice some tolerance and love and patience and so on. If the relationship's out of hand, I will say, not today. I will try at the, you know, soft approach first. Listen, you know, can we do something about this, that, or the other? And you're willing to go, God, you know, yeah, I like hearing that. Say thanks for the feedback. Why don't we work on that? I like that. You start to say, not interested. What you see is what you get. You see, I'm going to be this way. I just happen to enjoy being cold and rude. It's me. Accept me as I am. I would say if I were you. And so it is. I accept you as you are. And I accept that it will be really pleasant not living with you, too. I can accept you as you are, but I don't have to live with you. I can love everybody on this planet. And there are some really disgusting behaviors and thoughts of people. But I'm going to love every one of them, but I'm not living with them. That's where my free will and my value comes in. Teach only love. So if I have children watching, and I say to them, I'm going to a job that I don't like. I'm teaching them that it's okay to do things that don't resonate with you. That are in fact painful. But I have good reason, children. Because there's no other way. Oh, that's a good thing to teach children. Just learn to be stuck in that there's no such thing as shifting or miracles. See, teach only love. Everybody is watching you when you claim to be spiritual. 
When you go and start doing yoga, your people at work heard you're doing yoga. They're watching you. I swear to you, they're watching you. Your kids are watching. You claim to be a minister. They're watching you. I travel enough, man, and it's, it's kind of intimidating because people out there, they recognize me in airports and so forth. And once in a while, I think, thank God I apply this stuff because, you know, it's sometimes it's tempting to walk up to the counter and say, what? Another three-hour delay? And thank God it's the times when, you know, I handle something nicely that somebody will, you know, I'll recognize somebody or they'll recognize me and I'm like, oh, thank God that I was, you know, being nice. But I also very upfront say, there are times when you can still love and speak up. There are times when you say, I won't. I won't use this airline again, or whatever it happens to be. But remember, never hate. Always learn what you can from the experiences and affirm that everybody else involved has a light in them made in God's image. If you can pull that off, you are practicing forgiveness. See? Not fake. You must be willing to refuse to hate them, no matter what they've done. I do know that people have done some very horrible things, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. You deserve to be held. You deserve to be comforted through that. Still refuse to hate them. Because if you hate them, you are hooked by them. And when they come back in another lifetime, they have to deal with their stuff. If you're hooked, you're coming back with them. Does that feel great? That should be a law of reason in itself to go, damn, I'm going to work on this forgiveness stuff right away. That should be good enough reason. It's not the only reason, but it's a good reason to start. It's time. I refuse to hate. And you have to understand the power that comes from that. People acted horribly, and I refuse to hate. It doesn't mean I'm pretending that it was okay. I'm refusing to hate. Because my hate will actually beget hate. My hate of them will actually feed their soul, their energy, to keep doing what they do. It'll be fed. The person that's so insecure in them that was harming me or anyone else is hungry for something called love and they don't know how to get it. So they take it out on people. I'm hungry. Give me your food. They don't understand how to behave differently. Mother Teresa said, you know the people I feel sorry for? She goes, I go to other countries and there's one distinction between them and America. She goes, in other countries, they don't have a law. But if they have one piece of fruit, they share it. And that's a distinction she, she made with them in America. In America, you can have 10 pieces of fruit and you'd rather see them rot before you give them to anybody else. Refuse to hate. Recognize everybody deserves love and some people are pretty hurtful. There are times in my life when I've seen some very, really rude people and I chose to do something loving and it helped shift the person, which is pretty amazing. But there are times when it did not shift them. And in those moments, you start to go, oh, you can go into, it didn't work. You go in, well, maybe they're just too bad. Don't even listen to those voices. Affirm you've done your work. Affirm that on some level they got it. And it is unfortunate that I don't get to witness it today, but that's my problem. Don't believe in what you see. Don't believe that just because they didn't change their behavior, you failed. That's not faith. 
Faith is those things unseen, and it means I know God's working its magnificence in the situation, and if I don't see it, that's just my eyes, and I don't care. Just do the work. It's not always easy. Refuse to hate them. Learn what you can from every circumstance in life. Every decision I make, I do what I can to learn. I look at it thoroughly. Some of us love the idea of synchronicities. We follow every synchronicity, but we sometimes forget, we often forget, we're sometimes or usually the ones creating the synchronicities to satisfy what we wanted to see in the first place. You know, and, and that's, people are so afraid, and as I'm coming to a close, I want to say this, people are so afraid of their power, and some of you have heard that statement, but it really is not understood yet. People are so afraid of their power. Do you realize that if we all owned our power, our own recognition of our own true power, everyone and everything around us would disappear. Because we would realize the only reason all of you are there is because I refuse to own that you're part of me, so you all blast it out of me and look like separate individuals to show me things I didn't want to see. You're showing me colors, skin colors. You're showing me genders. This is what we did in coming to this universe. We refracted into many pieces. And the atonement, the healing of humanity means we will all reconverge into one being, into one consciousness. Being one. There, there is no distinctions in the one. There's just this blissful state of love. But in the meantime, we have to come back to that place recognizing our power. Refuse to hate, because if you hate, you're misusing your power. You're pretending someone else had power over you, and you hate them for it. That's not owning your power. Learn your lessons from everything that happens in your life. I don't mean make it your fault. I'm saying, what can you learn from it? What can you extract? And there's always somebody in the room that doesn't believe that they can extract anything, because they have uniquely bad incident in their life that nothing can be learned. Viktor Frankl came out of Auschwitz and said, I learned some things. If he can come out of Auschwitz, you can come out of your former relationship with something learned. Come on. You can do this. It's come on. And if you don't believe it, you have forgotten your power. You're powerful. Do you know who created the universe, you see? You did. We collectively created this. Not God, as we are commonly taught. We co-created this. The sunsets and the avalanches. Life and death, we created these things. We're powerful. And we think, God, I'm starting to recognize my power. I tuned in and found my lost car keys. That's nothing. We created an entire universe. We are really hugely magnificent, but it's scary to imagine because if I own my power that I can walk on water, I need to also own that I get sick and die. I don't want to think that I, I did that. What if you lost a loved one? What if you lost a child? I believe I can do all kinds of things. I can manifest prosperity out of thin air. How are you going to do that without accepting you also lost your child and you played a part in that? Oh, no, 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 no. Now you can't create prosperity. You shut the door on one, you're going to shut the door on all of them. It's terrifying. But there's good news. I am a co-creator in this universe. And I am truly all-powerful beyond my 
imagination's capacity to understand. I truly am all-powerful. And when horrible things are created, I play the part as well as nice things. But the good news is that the horrible things aren't the reality of God. Though even the horrible things, those were just temporary, quick learning experiences. So when we think I'm going to have to take on responsibility for bad things, horrible things, just devastating things, guys, those things are actually not real. They don't have any real power. Those were nightmares I had. It's hard to understand and hard to accept, but I'm closing with that. We're all powerful beings. Let's remember that. I have the power to refuse to hate even the most wicked. I have the power to say, you know what? I have the courage to say, I can learn something out of this. I insist on extracting something of learning or value out of this. And I can do it because I'm powerful. I'm not a victim. And third, I can affirm that there's a light inside of everyone, every person, every being, there's a light. Well, I don't want to affirm there's a light because you were so mean. You don't deserve for me to affirm. I'm safe. I can affirm that there's a light in you and I'm safe. It's not going to hurt me to affirm there's a light in you. I'm not enabling your behaviors, nothing like that. I'm safe. So we'll have a brief meditation along these lines. Let's please take a few centering breaths. Let's just tune out the world. It's only a few minutes, but it's a commitment. Tune out the world. Tune out the thoughts, the stuff of the head, the distractions. Tune out the dis disruptions. Tune out the stuff of the body or where you're going this afternoon. Set it all aside for the sake of God. Your commitment to spirit. Imagine just floating up above this building and slowly lifting higher and higher. And it's a metaphor of less and less stuff, density, thoughts. Let's for a moment drop the stuff of the world and lift. Dropping the burdens and lifting to the heavens. <coughs> Good to be away from traffic. It's good to be away from bodies that get sick. Make note of all the various things you're currently not part of when you float as soul up higher to heaven, to the clouds. Recognize all the good things. Oh, so nice to be out of there with my bills. Debts, unhealthy relations, nagging family members, whatever it is. What a nice respite to be up and out of all that. 
So what's the opposite? If I now lift up higher and higher, and all that drops, and we go up and beyond the clouds slightly, and the clouds represent a veil between density and spirit, float up above the clouds, metaphorically imagine what it's like to see and hear and taste and feel light. What it's like to experience, instead of all the dense stuff we name, what about bliss? What about peace, joy, abundance? Let's imagine being totally absorbed in that energy. It's not out around us, it's actually breathed into us. Breathe it into your soul. Feel it in every cell. I feel peace. We don't just sing songs, we feel the feeling of the meaning of the songs. We don't just share love in a relationship, we are that love, we feel that love. So all those good things, imagine feeling them all.
Christ all around. Christ speaking to the dead. Lazarus, arise and come forth. There's no such thing. Christ in our relations and connectedness. Christ in my ability to forgive. Christ is what gives me the strength to forgive. Christ is what creates miracles in me, through me. Of my little self, I am nothing, but as Christ, which is the name of God within me, I am everything. I am that I am. World, be still and know the I am presence of God. And so it is. Hold that thought and absorb it for about the next half minute. Really believe it and absorb it. And then we'll move into the next part of the service. 